You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. ดีกว่าก่อนเลยเป็นสิบปอดแคสต์ Lover of all men in the trenches and working girl Jordan Smith and the world's biggest 49ers fan somehow managed to wait two weeks to see Game of Thrones without spoiling it. The Ginger Woodsman, Nick, underscore, underscore, something else you won't remember. We are back. I am back. What have I missed other than Justin Bieber challenging Tom Cruise to a cage match? Um, So like in the season finale of Game of Thrones, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Part of our uh, part of Becca's and my travels around Europe, we we left basically the Sunday of uh, the season finale, the show finale of Game of Thrones, and as such, have not seen it yet. Uh, and so, no spoilers. Do you feel that you've missed an opportunity to be upset with everyone else? I kind of do, but I now am gathering that everyone is upset, and so thanks, Clark. <laughs> No, it's so interesting because we have we have like no sense of it, you know, and 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 to the point where we are like kind of delaying seeing it because we just don't feel that it's going to be good. And it's because we just have no reaction. We did. I was off Twitter for all three weeks. I haven't read anything. I haven't checked the Internet um, for for that whole time. And only since we've come back, I've done it very sparingly in order not to spoil it. So we'll see. We'll see. Finally, I think we're probably going to see it tomorrow. But also part of us is like, what if we never see it and write our own finale? You don't need some fan fiction, Pete. Yeah, Nick's a big fan of that idea. Don't do that. <laughs> he said don't, but he meant please. please do he that. said he meant, he meant please do it and publish it and share it with all of us in the world. God damn it. It's book reading season. We're all reading the books, and by the time we're done, George is going to have finished the series, hopefully, fingers crossed, and uh, we'll get a very good ending from the books. Let's go. I'm not sure that's going to happen, if, I, if I'm being perfectly honest here. Boo. What? I saw today that he is, like, helping release a video game. Yeah, I did see that. Like, Damn it! Why the book isn't done? You yeah, he's he's basically doing everything other than uh, writing book. George needs some f- to focus. <laughs> I, know I know he's in George? New Mexico writing about the giants and shit. Yeah, he's he's uh, he needs to get his shit together. Um, I also feel like we're, we've totally escaped over the or glanced over the fact that Justin Bieber challenged fifty-seven-year-old Tom Cruise to a fight. Does anyone know why? Uh, rampant insecurity. Ooh. But I think that Tom Cruise is at the level of Scientology where he can fly through walls. So I oh. would love to see him fight a person. In Shit. A cage. Then I, I think Justin Bieber needs to really reconsider who he <laughs> chose to fight. You know what? We have like seven Mission Impossible movies and two Jack Reacher movies starring Tom Cruise. I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise learned a thing or two. <laughs> about combat even if it's fake fighting in some way you, you got to make it look realistic i'm pretty sure we don't have any sort of evidence of that from the beebs <laughs> hey tom cruise is pretty well known for doing all of his own stunts so oh I'm, yeah i'm uh, with you jordan i think i would put news. my money on tom cruise winning that fight pete drop the the news thing we got a hard knock 
reveal. We do. Should we just get into the news? I know it dropped. All right, we're getting into the news. I was trying to milk that Justin Beeves Tom Cruise fight for all it was worth, but clearly y'all weren't biting. So instead, we're just going to get right into the news. And the headline being, it broke tonight, uh, much to everyone's joy and happiness, the Raiders are officially hard knocks, are going to be on hard knocks for this season. I immediately tweeted oh, out, uh, fuck Game of Thrones. HB- Raiders on hard knocks is going to be HBO's crowning achievement. I am so excited for this. That had to have been a lock almost immediately, right? As soon as they got Antonio Brown, it had to have been a lock. Right. I, I don't understand why this was ever a debate or how it was ever a debate because it's clearly, it was always going to be then. Yeah, they got the 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 Gruden factor, the uh, team turmoil. It's their last season question mark in Oakland. That there's just so many great angles. That's not even to mention all the rookies that they have. This is gonna ruin Josh Jacobs' value. By the way, Ooh, Clark's now worried that his boy is gonna get really. <laughs> It'll be worth it though. This is gonna. Be, I, I feel like we're in for a real shit show. Josh Jacobs, top ten <laughs> running back. Not. I'm uh, I'm still here for the shit show. Can't wait to fall in love with way too many Raiders this summer. <laughs> do you think that? Do you think in two years when they trade Derek Carr that people are going to cut up all of the footage of uh, Gruden saying that he would never trade Derek Carr on Hard Knocks? That's another thing we can look forward to. Oh, I'm the amount of sound bites that we're going to get out of this show is just going to be incredible. From from everything that Gruden says to the fact that you're going to have Antonio Brown, you're going to have uh, you're going to have Josh Jacobs, who I don't know if he talks a lot, but he's going to be exciting. You also have Vontez Perfect, which I heard that for really Richie Incognito, they're going to do the thing from Black Mirror where they uh, just edit out the person, like when you block them. <laughs> it'll be really good. <laughs> Just not even focus on them as a as a potential as a player. This is great. I can't wait for the uh, Derek Carr stock to drive up so I can trade him from one of my dynasty teams. <laughs> just gonna go through the roof. <laughs> Either that, or it's just going to crash at a level you never thought was possible. No way. They can't make him look bad. He's gonna look like such a, a saintly person handling all the adversity. They're going to show him making all the right throws. It's going to be excellent. John Gruden's oh going to God. say all the right things. <laughs> his his rap career is going to be the focal point. Of Derek Carr's rap career? Yeah. Carr strikes me as a where's his wedding ring during the game guy. You think we'll get a lot of stories on that? I bet you we will. How many over under Derek Carr wedding band stories compared to Antonio Brown hates the Steelers stories? Oh, I, I gotta take Antonio. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm assuming that. So, anyways, that's gonna be it's gonna just be A plus content, and it's exactly the kind of content that we all need. And Clark, we were talking about this before the podcast started, uh, through the numerous times that we tried to get things going, but we're now approaching the NFL doldrums just as we get the podcast up and running after our three week hiatus. But this is the kind of this is this is the uh, the energy, this is the information that the news that we need to carry us through this kind of lull because on the other side is going to be an unfiltered look at the Oakland Raiders and John Gruden leading this team. Part of me really wants Frank Caliendo to just come in and just be John Gruden for the entire seat for the entire show this season. <laughs> His career is going to come back. Oh, he's not hundred percent going to come back. Just the amount of content God. that he's going to get. is going to be incredible. Take a drink. Every time they mention Gruden's grinders. <laughs> The first episode is just going to be exclusively breaking down how John Gruden does to Gruden's grinders. So <laughs> you guys can't see it, but Nick is just spent his entire segment shaking his head, looking longingly away. <laughs> I'm so mad. It's just they're going to try to set off Antonio Brown. They're going to pay paparazzi to fucking just harass him from the. Cr- it's going to be horrible. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Enjoy yourself, Nicholas. Enjoy America. Uh, moving on in the news. Uh, this one I found surprising. It broke earlier today, or maybe last night, uh, and last night being two, Monday night. Kyle Rudolph gets a new contract from the uh, Minnesota Vikings, despite the fact that they drafted Irv Smith Jr., and there was a lot of talk about possibly trading him. Uh, he gets a four-year deal, $36 million, 
Uh, I don't know all the logistics of it. As Clark will quick to point out, it's probably really just a one-year deal. Um, and that's when all the guaranteed money gets paid out. But it is surprising to me that he gets this kind of con or just even it seemed like the Vikings were done with him. And yet here he is sticking around, getting a new deal. Jordan, were you, are you at all surprised? Um, I guess I'm not surprised. I've been a pretty big proponent of fantasy Kyle Rudolph just because I've always liked his consistency. So I thought like he was a pretty good bet to get a couple catches, maybe a touchdown for you if you needed to take a flyer on a tight end one week. But I feel like the Vikings should have just let this one go. I mean, you drafted a pretty viable replacement um, that's on a much cheaper deal. And when you're as cap strapped as the Vikings, you kind of got to let things go or let certain players go if you can't afford them. I don't think the Vikings could have afforded him. They figured it out, but they barely had enough room to sign their rookies. Yeah, I like Rudolph. He is the tight end to target if you miss all of the other tight ends. Unfortunately, I don't have to back off of that because the Vikings probably going to throw it to him 80, 90, 100 times again this year. So you think, though, a very uninteresting uh, tight end seven. Do you think that, though, Clark? Yeah. Really? I'm, I'm, I think that the, I, I guess I felt like the Vikings were all primed to be like, all right, we're done washing our hands, like not washing our hands. Cause not Kyle Rudolph hasn't done anything bad. Washing our hands is safe for, for bad people. Uh, but we're like, all right, Kyle, have a, have a natural, have a natural step away from the team. Uh, but, but I guess they hand out a contract. I mean, maybe they do. I, I just, I have no idea what to make of this offense. And I guess you can think of the fact that, uh, you know, you're giving now two tight end weapons for Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins could rely on those guys. And maybe that really decreases the values of Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. I'm I just am not in a in for a position that's already so fantasy deprived. I am not looking forward to the world of the uh, tight end committees. Yeah, Pete, I'm with you on this one, man. Um, there was chatter that he that he was uh, uh, on the, the trade block before the draft and then they took um herb smith it, it seemed like this was going to be a, a done deal that that he was on his way out via trade or i i kind of thought they were just going to cut him so i was i was really surprised to see this and i think it was a three-year extension yeah it's i mean it's it's money that they're shelling out and jordan pointed it out like this is it's not like this team just had like millions of dollars of cap space to just be tossing around it's like this team had a hundred dollars of cap space and they somehow fit this in yeah i think herb smith is highly touted as a rookie tight end, but of all of the positions in, in football tight end seems to have the most, uh, the most difficulty adjusting from the college to pro game. And I've, I've pulled it up here. RB one stats and information Ooh. quick on the draw. Uh, the past four years, Rudolph has had 73, 132, 81 and 81 targets. Uh, last year was with Kirk cousins and I don't see them getting away from that. Now, having said that, I'm not super excited to get Kyle Rudolph on my team. I think there's three or four tight ends worth drafting. But if you get stuck, he's kind of the perennial yeah. 605 guy. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Um, moving on in the news, Clark, turmoil in Texas. Oh, my goodness. The Texans firing their GM, Brian Gain. Seems like the Texans are uh, just a dumpster fire of an organization right now and are growing in no direction. And, uh, well, it just seems like anyone who's on their fandom should just abandon ship. Don't you agree? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Everyone should give up. Helps with the karma. This is a, this will be the year that they bounce back. I. It's hard to understand exactly why they fired Gain. I think the stories going around the internet, which I believe are that uh, he didn't really do anything to get fired. They just wanted to bring in somebody else. I don't know of any really bad moves that he's made. Uh, there may have been a lack of moves that led to him getting let go, but you know, it's tough to say after a year and a half if the GM had it coming or not. Yeah, it seems like they have their eyes pretty well set on uh, resident New England psycho Nick Casario, Casario, um, who's who's like the quote unquote GM. Of the Patriots, I, I say resident psycho because if you see any of his headshots, he looks like a crazy person. 
I mean, I feel like he got let go exclusively because he never figured out how to build an offensive line. Um, but is that really his fault? Or is that Bill O'Brien yes. who <laughs> has pretty much 100% power on that team? I mean, I don't know. Somebody had to take the blame, the fall at some point. Maybe they just wanted to uh, redo certain things. Maybe they just love Bill O'Brien so much. It's just like, nah, it's not your fault. But like last <laughs> year, they missed out on Nate Solder last year. And um, or who did they want to draft? Dalton Risner? Andre got, Dillard. Andre Dillard, yeah. They got leapfrogged by the Eagles. Um, I don't know. I, I think the, he just got caught flat-footed too many times on making moves to improve the team that they were just like, okay. Maybe Cal McNair is a fantasy player and he's really upset about what Lamar Miller's done to all of us for the past four years. What is dead may never die. Um, (laughs) I I think that uh, I'm always uh, sort of made uncomfortable when there are front office changes and they're not uh, hand in hand. Like when there's one guy who's surviving the the firing of his counterpart more than once that that to me is kind of a red flag as far as like Bill O'Brien he was there with Rick Smith um who I think was there for way too long um and now was uh, Gaines um I I think they probably just need to totally clean house but I do think that that the point Jordan was making about um basically this is because he can't just construct a gosh dang offensive line um that's that's probably at least the reasoning that they're the internally that they use to get rid of him yeah that's right that's fair. It, it's not just the houston texans it's plenty of teams that are going out and grabbing really good franchise quarterbacks and they're like hey this is our guy now let's go and build our team around a cheap rookie qb contract but for a couple years these guys are stuck on teams that are either disasters or have very important units that are just full of so many holes that it's hard for them to uh, produce at the level that they ultimately could. Uh, Deshaun Watson has been held back by that offensive line. He's been uh, driving around on like a charter bus to get to games because the offensive line is so bad. Like it's, it's those sorts of things that I don't know. It just adds up. It wasn't until last year that Andrew Luck had a halfway decent offensive line and it went from, you know, 30th in the league to top 10. But like it took whatever the first set eight years of his career before they finally put a good offensive line in front of him. It's so funny to me that that's not just like the first thing that teams try to lock in as soon as they get that franchise quarterback. I understand that you try to build other pieces and you're like, all right, now let's get a bunch of weapons for him and let's get a defense. It's like, well, why don't you protect him? and uh, try to keep him upright and able to stand in the pocket for as long as possible. The only quarterback I can think of right now off the top of my head that's been good over the past couple of years with a terrible infrastructure was Andrew Luck right away. Uh, but then look what happened to him. He got right. injured and the crap kicked out of him for the first couple of years of his career. And then they finally got the right GM and the right infrastructure and game pl- or and team plan to build up around him that's going to end up saving his career in the long run. But other than that, like these rookies are putting in getting put in bad situations with rough infrastructures. The Houston Texans aren't as bad as some of them, but yeah. Yeah. And it's been an odd couple of years for the Texans. So you mentioned Rick Smith stepped down, his wife got ill and he's still with the team, but no longer in the GM role. So, you know, that's a little bit odd. And then the owner died and his son took over. So we may just be seeing kind of the last settling of the franchise. Uh, hopefully not. You know, I'd kind of waver on Bill O'Brien. Uh, I think if you drop your quarterback back and let him just get murdered like Deshaun Watson and don't make any adjustments, then it's kind of time for you to get let go. One of the things that helped the Colts so much, I think, with Andrew Luck is uh, they stopped doing the old Bruce Arians drop back seven steps and wait until one of the deep crossers gets open, they uh, schemed around the offensive line, I think, and made it look a lot better. Uh, just firing the GM in Houston is not going to do that. Uh, hopefully hopefully, this is a shot across the bow, Bill O'Brien, that uh, it's time to ship up or shape out. Whew! Look at that. Way to turn a phrase, Burns. 
Uh, all right, last four point in the news. Nick brought this to my attention, uh, and it's kind of cool. I'm kind of on board with it. Something called the 40 Yards of Gold. Uh, it's an event that will be held on pay-per-view uh, June 29th, and I guess it's like it's like a race tournament. There are 16 players who will participate in a single elimination tournament of 15 races, leading to basically who is the fastest player in the NFL. Uh, there are some players who have confirmed players and confirmed are like Alvin Kamara, Robbie Anderson, Trey Waynes, Marquise Goodwin, Donta Jackson, and Dominique Rogers Cromartie, which DRC, funny way to try to get yourself back into the NFL is by racing people, even though you're like 50 years old. But hey, good on you. Um, no, there's like some some names who are notably not on this list. Uh, I would have loved to seen Deshaun Jackson on this list um, before he became a complete fuckhead. Tyreek Hill would have been fun to see on this list. Oh, but he- I was like, what did Deshaun Jackson do? Okay. <laughs> Deshaun Jackson, semicolon. <laughs> uh, I'll start announcing my punctuation so that <laughs> to lead to no more confusions. Um, but this is the kind of stuff, again, this is good offense, offseason, good. This is the content. This is good content. Uh, you know, all kinds of boring shit is going to be going down right now between now and mini camps and preseason. So, like, why not have a race to see who's the fastest player in the NFL? I was just, uh, like, sort of upset, but at the same time, like, got over it pretty quick. Cause I think this will be pretty fun, but I, I think I saw the Nick, first was... I was sort was, of upset, but then I got over it really quickly, and now I'm totally on board. <laughs> well, it's just, like, someone's going to pull a hamstring for this, and the prize is only $10,000. Like, that's not enough to potentially walk into training camp hurt, but... It's going to be super fun, so I'll you know be a fan from the couch and 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 I'll enjoy it. Is it like 10k for charity or something, or are they all just no. like gambling like it's spades? <laughs> I, I think their game. I think it's the fastest man is worth ten thousand dollars. So far on the list of people that you mentioned, and off the top of my head is. I'm putting my money on Marquise Goodwin. Oh, yeah, he has, 100%. He has a track background, so he knows how to run a race. And he's not just booking it. What's well, the 40? Yeah, even still, he, he still. knows just, how he to. He's trying to get into the Olympics as an Olympic sprinter. I mean, the no, guy is he, he's a trained Long runner. Long I'm, I love you, Alvin Kamara, but your, your, your notoriety isn't breakaway speed. It's absurd agility and quickness. It's just a 40? Yeah. Ah. That's that's cool. I wanted a hundred meter dash. I want like a Spartan event, like a staged, like you got to get over the wall and then you got to run through the tires. Like that's what I want to see. That would be awesome. I saw an absurd video of Calias Campbell going up against, I don't know, some like receiver or someone on the ladders and he just destroyed him. His foot, his feet were moving just like a blur. It is crazy. You you look at the bodies of of like offensive linemen, defensive linemen, all those guys, and you're just like, people are all, all quick to be like, oh, those guys aren't athletic, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, eh, no, they're pretty absurdly athletic for their size and stature, being able to move that weight around uh, as, ag- as agile as they do. You know so, what? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I just realized we... I got the, the $10,000 thing wrong. That's just a bet that Ted Ginn placed that no one could beat him in this. But Ted Ginn not even in this fucking competition. I Well, I think he is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but is Ted Ginn record, really still that fast? I don't We're about to find out. It's Sunday night. I think Robbie Anderson is going to take this. It's $40 pay-per-view. And there's 15 races. Jeez Louise. <laughs> I'm this. I'm watching Nick it. Distract himself both off the ledge and back <laughs> onto the ledge. <laughs> you know, it would be great. So, in high school during track, they'd have an event sometimes, I believe just at like triangulars, of a thrower's relay. So, it was basically just all the big guys running a four by one uh, relay. It would be great to do like team by team you take your four fastest defensive linemen or offensive linemen and have them run a four by 100 meter relay passing baton booking down the track you, the rams with aaron donald would have an unfair advantage but that would be, would be so fun to watch so yeah in in washington state for the high school championships they'd use a uh or the they'd use a, a bread or a big loaf of bread 
<laughs> Guys, that was just the, the baguette. Just, yeah. Oh, that would be so great. If you break your baguette, you're disqualified. <laughs> I feel like we can scrape together $10,000 between us. Do you think we can get three teams to participate? Yes, because I think the $10,000 is what they're all playing for. <laughs> $10,000 split four ways is, is a fortune for NFL Oh, my God. I mean, if it's offensive linemen, it's like $10,000 worth of bush light. Nobody's yeah. Good. Well, why don't we just give him that? Be like, we'll give you 300 cases of bush light. Go crazy. David Bakhtiari's ears just perked up. <laughs> bush light. I'm being summoned. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. There's NFL news. We just made the we made the offseason a better place. Uh, before we get into our main event for today's show, let's quickly take a ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Uh, the big thing that we're going to talk about today, since we are entering the doldrum and we've been gone for a little bit of time, so we figured let's let's come back not only to remind you of the jovial joy that we uh, all have and, and, the, and the love and the friendships and the, uh, you know, the little rib poking, but the general hugging it out that we all experience and demonstrate on this podcast. We also want to remind you that we talk fantasy football here. Um, and so we're going to each give a bounce back candidate and a step back candidate uh, for 2019 for the fantasy football. Um, we, I told everyone to do a couple more than just that. So we maybe we'll get into more people than just one each, but for now we're going to start with one each um, Clark. We'll start with you. Who is one, your player who's going to bounce back in 2019? So the first one on the docket today is Devonta Freeman as I am struggling to get the right window up. <laughs> Right you, were, you were talking in, in such a somber tone for, for going first. I was didn't realize something was wrong. All right. So uh, Devonta Freeman was injured last year, and this often presents a lot of value in fantasy football. A lot of more casual fans will look at the ranks and see how people finished, and that is how they project what is going to happen the next year. A lot of fans and, and even a lot of analysts, you'll see this. Uh, but Devonta Freeman got hurt. But he didn't even hurt his legs. He had a groinal hem- hemorrhage. Groinal hemorrhage. Groin. Uh, what do they call it? We all know that the groin is not part of your legs. Groinal. It connects the leg. The groin bone connects to the body bone. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not really worried about the recurrence of the injury. We had a lot of positive stories out of camp that Devonta Freeman's fine. He's running around like a young buck again. And while you want to be careful looking at OTA stories, uh, before betting your fantasy team on them. Uh, what the Falcons did in the offseason, I think, backs up what they're saying about him in OTAs. They let Tevin Coleman go. They drafted two offensive linemen in the first round and then didn't spend any capital to draft a running back until the fifth round. So uh, the Falcons only scored 13 touchdowns from running backs last year. Devonta Freeman can do everything. They don't have to pull him off the field. He's not splitting time with Tevin Coleman again. And Freeman's going somewhere in the third round in best ball drafts right now. So I think he's a perfect kind of zero RB or light RB strategy guy. So, um, Clark, as as uh, as is tradition, I will push back on this call with Devontae Freeman. Um, the, the injury that he suffered to his knee is just a really, really shitty one for long-term durability. He didn't tear the, uh, the MCL. He hyperextended it and just like a rubber band that you stretch too far it never regains its full elasticity and that's what kept him out of the games uh, early in the year. And then the other injuries were likely caused by 
um, the rest of his body overcompensating because that knee is just not what it once was. Um, I, I do think that he'll be a beast when he is able to play, but if I'm taking him, I'm probably reaching around early to, to nab Ito Smith. And regardless, I'm probably trying to get Ito Smith on my team because this, this injury is just a really, really difficult one to, uh, to deal with over the uh, long term. Yeah. I, can you guys hear me? Okay. Yes, sir. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I think depending on what round you get him in, he can be a low risk, high reward type of running back. He's not the back that you draft in like the top three rounds anymore. But if you can get him, you know, if he's your third or fourth running back after you've already made a couple selections, then I think he can be like a super high ceiling guy because who knows, maybe he does bounce back and has the type of year that uh, we think he can, but. I'm with you, Clark. I like it. I think he's, I think <clears throat> I always love playing the guys who are coming off of a big injury, especially early in the season, because people tend to just forget about them. Um, and so you can get them for a little bit less than maybe they're worth. And I think he's someone that he's worth the risk. If you can get him, if he's going in the third or fourth round, especially if you've gotten yourself a premier running back and a premier wide receiver, or even two premier running backs. Yeah. I'll take the risk on, you know, Devonta Freeman being my third running back. Uh, if that's where he's fallen. Yeah, Nick, your point about the injury is well made. And what I want to try to do this offseason and, and with the work that we put out, or at least the work that I put out on faketeams.com is uh, you hear very often people saying like, oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't take him in the third round. And you hear a lot of analysts talk, and it sounds like they would never pick anyone in the first five rounds of any draft. Uh, so we have to talk through uh, what are your decision points going to be with these players. Uh, one of the guys – that's coming up later, even though I like the player, the way I have him ranked, he's not going to be on any of my teams. So he, I, my advice there is definitely do not draft advice. Uh, but what I like about good shows like ours is that uh, you should know why you're making the decision that you are making. I have decided that I am not going to worry about Devonta Freeman's injury. And so he's a huge value. But Nick, your point is well made too. He's missed a lot of time in the past two years. So if you're a more risk averse player or you feel that that injury just it doesn't sit right with you and you're not interested in taking it, well, then you're probably going to pass on him, you know, at whatever price. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. Jordan, who's your bounce back candidate for 2019? My bounce back candidate is, and this is kind of a long shot too, uh, Golden Tate. Uh, it's not because of any sort of injury issues. It's because he is on a. Bat. Is it because you believe in Eli Manning? It's because I believe in Eli Manning to be able to throw the ball at least five yards. No That's more than 15, but at least five yards. <laughs> and I feel like they paid Golden Tate a lot of money to come play there. And he had offers, Golden Tate did, to go play on other teams that had better chances of winning games. Uh, but the Giants just threw a shit ton of money at him. He's <laughs> like, I'm going to New York so I can play um, football for the New York football Giants. Um, again, he will actually be playing in the offense and starting to learn it this summer rather than um, last year. I think you know he kind of fell off the radar because he was traded to the Eagles and had to – basically try to hit the ground running. Um, and also last year, kind of forget the Lions offense for whatever reason. It wasn't that great um, as a perpetual Kenny Galladay owner in several fantasy leagues. I did not get as much production out of that offense <laughs> that I was hoping. Um, and last year was the first time since 2013 that Golden Tate didn't have 90 catches. Uh, I don't think it's an age issue. Golden Tate's only like 30 years old. I think it's just a matter of him being in a consistent offense um, for over a year or for starting the year, I should say. And what the hell else are the Giants going to put the, I mean, Sterling Shepard. Yes. Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram, baby. Saquon Barkley. There's still a lot of targets to go around. And I think Golden Tate, just for 
the sake of putting the football in his hands with Pat Shermer as the coach, they'll find a way to get it in his hands. I couldn't agree more. The Golden Tate's game fits really well with Eli Manning's declining ability. Right now, Golden Tate in best ball is wide receiver 40. Oh, my God. He is going to finish better than wide receiver 40. He's going in like the seventh round, middle of the seventh round. It's a great pick at that price. And I don't think he has any chance to finish in the top five of wide receivers, but he's going to be a fantastic flex play for you. That Jordan, like you said, the last thing we remember is not seeing anything out of Golden Tate for things I think were well out of his control. So I'm super excited to pick up Tate late this year too. Yeah. Wide receiver 40 is preposterous for him. He's like, that's, that's absurd. He is going to definitely be, I, I, I would say a top, I would lock him in as a top 30, maybe even top 25 receiver in, in fantasy. And so if you're getting that kind of production in the seventh round, yeah, I'm hundred percent buying that. I, I think I'm probably on an Island here. Um, I love golden, but I, I think that this, this, situation is just so shitty that I, I he's not somebody that I that I really even want to add because I'd rather swing for a, a high upside um, player which I, I think that he might be able to uh, have a high floor in in PPR leagues I think that um, ceiling wise you know he's uh, in a surprisingly crowded receiving core uh, playing for Eli Manning who I think at this point throws softer than like Chad Pennington um, which would oh, actually burn. be kind of, yeah, burn. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I Tate Tate's a tough one for me to stomach. I guess if you're getting points for uh, return yardage, then sure. Nick, who would you rather have on your team this year, Devonta Freeman or Golden Tate? Freeman. Oh, wow. I, I think that's the thing, though. If you're if you're talking about a floor, I think based on Golden Tate's skill set, um, I, I think that. I mean, Eli Manning and or Daniel Jones has got to be able to get Golden Tate the football in some capacity. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, guys we have going around Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, one in front of him, Larry Fitzgerald, one in front of him, Cortland Sutton, Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones. Uh, You bring up a good point about swinging for upside. I I think Tate is definitely the – I have a lot of uh, variants on my roster, and I kind of need one person that I feel I can – rely on and that might be a good role for Tate. Is yeah. is he like the um weird way phrase, but is he is he sort of like a, a, a just a different version of Jarvis Landry? Like this yeah. year given what he's got, like how many, you know, receptions he's he'll rack up but not for very much yardage. Um Tate's average yards per catch. He's pretty good at getting he's pretty good see. at making things happen after the after the catch. He generally has double-digit yards per catch. I think most of it is yak, though. Yeah. He, yes. That. Yeah. Because I mean, he's he the dude's a running back when he's got the ball in his right. hands. I think that's what you're relying on, Nick. Who's your bounce back candidate? Um, my big one is uh, uh, probably a bit silly at at first listen, but it's it's David Johnson, and uh, he finished in the top ten in running back scoring, regardless of um scoring systems but i'm saying that i I think that this dude can compete for the overall rb1 in uh in 2019 um this system is just so offensively friendly and you saw you see what cliff kingsbury did with his his running backs um in college where he he, you know he he turned uh deandre washington who is an nfl talent into just a, a dual threat animal and We've got uh, we've got DJ who's coming off an injury from a year ago. Clark, what was that injury? I don't. Was it below? The <sighs> I can't. If you were to if you were recall. to ask me, I would say it wasn't his legs, but I'm not sure. That's right. It was his legs. So I think it was um, an ingrown hair. <laughs> <laughs> and it was on his face, very far away from his legs. So I mean, the guy, the guy was uh, he. I think he like led the league in interior carries last season, and he still finished in the top ten. If we get him back out to uh, taking handoffs and and passes on the outside and lining up, not just as a, a, a slot receiver but as a perimeter receiver too, this guy is going to be a stud. And we've come to learn that um, the the I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but 
generally speaking, the majority of rushing yards accumulated just come from having boxes with fewer than eight men in it. And this team is going to lead the league in four receiver sets. He's going to be running against seven man fronts all day long or fewer. Um, I, I think he's going to smash his ADP. Do we, uh, do we need to spend any time discussing this? I feel like we're all pro David Johnson all the time. I will bring up the counter argument, not because I believe it, but just because you have to return Nick's counter. No, no. (laughs) I was thinking about that the whole time. I was like, just shut up and you agree with him. Don't say, don't argue, but we have a thing going. So I'm going to, Uh, I kind of feel, I want to get excited about the Cardinals offense, but people are putting a lot of stock in a team that very well earned the number one overall pick. Uh, bouncing back and being fantastic. But really, I mean, you nailed it, Nick. On that team, Johnson was still the 10th running back. So David Johnson's going fifth right now. And and lots of guys could finish as the RB1. But, I mean, you'd be like zero surprised if David Johnson got back to the RB1. So that's my argument against David Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Which ultimately ended up with you being like, yeah, David Johnson's Uh, RB1 this year. (laughs) Perfect. Um, all right, my bounce back for this candidate, or my bounce back candidate for this year. In our notes, pre show notes, I had Delaney Walker, but I'm pulling an audible and I'm going to pump up Cam Newton for a big 2019. Uh, the shoulder surgery is done. He's actually ahead of schedule. He's expected to throw during mini camps, and the Panthers have all been freaking out about him. They're all giddy over his new throwing mechanics and they're like live streaming everything. And I understand the, the whole like changing throw. Throwing mechanics is is very much a a uh, you know a mini camp talk and off season trope something that's like well we've heard this before is it really going to click I am open to the possibility of it taking hold because I think it could be the fact that he has to throw in this new mech in the, this new way because of his shoulder that his shoulder won't allow him anymore to do these kind of you know body contortion, just kind of rocket throws that he's been really, that he's done where he hasn't used his legs. He hasn't had a strong base or anything and really kind of thrown in a more natural compact motion. It's always been this kind of just like side cannon rocketing, which has given him the shoulder pains. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt where if this shoulder motion or if his throwing motion is truly better and he's like a better passer, a more accurate passer. He was QB 12 last year. He was QB two the year before that. His rushing ability is well documented, and it's just so hard to not to n- not take that seriously if you're talking about a Cam Newton who can hit all of the throws uh, on the field and is much more comfortable throwing the football and has kind of a, a receiving core that maybe is a little more suited to his skill set. We'll see. Jury's still out. Uh, but I think he could be someone who a lot of people are worried about the shoulder. A lot of people are worried about, you know, coming off of a bad year. A lot of people, under, you know, love to talk about how bad he is or, uh, you know, underestimate his ability to throw the ball. And his rushing game, plus with a better throwing mechanics, if that's truly going to click this year, he could be in for another top 10, easy, easily top 10, and and very likely top five quarterback season. Yeah, I think Cam Newton holds the number one spot for – NFL quarterbacks, you or people forget have won has won the MVP. Like yeah. Cam Newton is an MVP quarterback oh, who can do that again. It wasn't that long ago either. And he's still a young-ish quarterback. He's not like approaching 40 by any means. He can I don't know. I'm biased. I always think Cam Newton's a top 10 quarterback. So yeah, he's he should bounce back, especially as he gets better weapons surrounding him. That was an extremely apt point. I totally forgot that he had won that. Um, yeah, I, I love this. I'm looking at his – Pete, did you list his ADP? No, I, I don't know what it is. It is right now – I'm showing uh, him as quarterback nine in best ball at 118. He's 10 and a half overall, like if you take all things, into yeah. all uh, formats. Yeah. Who's going around him? We've got Russell Wilson uh, going one before him. Drew Brees going two before him. I think that's an obvious, uh, not a good play. Drew Brees looked fairly poor at the close of the season. I mean, I know Cam Newton did too, but uh, Drew Brees is older than I am, which is uh, quite an accomplishment. (laughs) And uh, 
yeah, I just <laughs> QB is so stacked when you look at how they're being drafted. Drew Brees is really the only mistake. I'd probably put him ahead of Matt Ryan as well, who's number six. Uh, more on oh, him. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clark, I'd like to trigger you and say that Cam Newton is tied overall, uh, ten t- or going 10 and a half overall with Carson Wentz and Kyler Murray. Hmm. Oh, that's fine. I mean, like, that's 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 an insult to Cam Newton. I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Last year was not good for Cam Newton. Remember how poorly he played? Yeah, he finished 12th overall, right. and he only played 14 games. So, like, that that's how good Cam Newton is. It's just rushing play. ability is, is too OP. Um, all right, let's get let's get uh let's get a little negative, or maybe not negative so much as just um you know, maybe uh showing our lack of confidence in these players. Step backs, talking about uh, some players who we think are not going to live up to their uh, expectations that they had set after a strong last year, or just generally the kind of buzz that people are. Who do you think is going to take a step back this year? So I started a firestorm in the fake team slack with this rank, and I'm sticking to it. Juju Smith-Schuster had an amazing year last year, uh, and I just... We only have one game sample to look at him playing without Antonio Brown, and it is absolutely damning tape. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is a fantastic NFL wide receiver, and I think if Pittsburgh keeps him in the slot, they can uh, design their offense around him. But I think it's going to be a lot harder for him with Antonio Brown gone. I think it's going to be harder for the Steelers in general. Uh, I don't think Ben Roethlisberger is going to have 700 passing attempts this year and Juju Smith-Schuster is being ranked as though uh, nothing has changed and he's just going to finish as the wide receiver six again. So fantastic player who I love watching to play, but he's just not going to end up on any of my teams this year. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure uh, Juju Smith-Schuster can legally drink. He's still young yet. Uh <laughs> But I don't think he has enough experience with the opposite team's best defensive back covering him and shadowing him at all times. Uh, Not only is he missing Antonio Brown to take that sort of attention away, but uh, I'm still, you know, hoping James Washington turns into something. I always liked him coming out of Oklahoma State. Deontay Johnson is a rookie. Uh, Is the tight end Vance McDonald still or... Yeah, it is. I think so. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesse There's... James just left to go sign somewhere else. So Vance McDonald's probably going to prime up to a. And the Steelers always seem to be able to get production out of their rookie wide receivers. So, yeah, it just is, doesn't seem that they're as loaded at the position as they were in years past. And uh, the spotlight's going to be pretty heavy on on Juju. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with. Uh, Drafting Juju is my wide receiver one for the reason that this team is losing 168 targets from last season with Antonio Brown departing. And even if life is more difficult on Juju with, uh, with AB gone, um, he's, he's in line to, if I'm a betting man, I, I see no reason why I wouldn't select him um, to be the, the league leader in targets. And his efficiency might drop and, and he might have to have some more difficult matchups. But I think that he can, you know, go hit like 185, 190 targets. And I think that that, that will easily buoy him in the uh, wide receiver one discussion. A lot of people agree with you. He's number six wide receiver right now, getting drafted in front of Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, AJ Green. Keenan, Keenan Allen is perpetually underrated. How dare you? <laughs> triggered the pod universe can you talk about aj green though that's that's too rich that's too rich for juju in my mind jordan who's taking a step back this year for you uh yeah actually piggybacking off of clark with uh juju smith schuster i'm staying right in pittsburgh with james connor um last year the steelers offensive line by pro football focus was ranked number one um, and then Mike Munchak moved on to Denver. So he is no longer going to be coaching up that offensive line who's been good for so many years. Um, they've also lost a piece. Uh, I forget who their guy went to uh, the Arizona. Uh, but that's a big deal. Um, I'm not sure if Connor can stay healthy. 
towards the end of the year, I feel like he broke down. This is a personal anecdote when I needed him the most. <laughs> The playoffs. <laughs> he was not available. Um, they also made it a point to draft Benny Snell Jr., who I thought was a pretty good prospect and who actually should have had a chance to maybe start on another team had the running back room not been so crowded. Uh, and I think they are doing that to make it a point to not have to give uh, James Conner the ball so much. Combine him with Jalen Samuels. Uh, it's a running back room in which I think they're going to try to give James Conner slightly less of a workload so he can stay healthier. But, of course, that means less fantasy options for for you. Um, and last – oh, never mind. That's my last point. End of <laughs> Yeah, I'm totally on board with this. I totally buy into this. I think that the Pittsburgh's offense, offensive line, um, and all of that can really make a running back look a lot better than they are. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, I think, is a very talented running back, and I think James Conner is a very talented running back. But I also don't feel that James Conner is so uniquely special that he should be thrusted into this top five fantasy conversation uh, after one season of production. I think that... I would not be surprised if it's a, a, a running back committee in, in Pittsburgh that he doesn't get the number of touches that he got last year because of that uh, kind of um, injury issue or, or just reliability. Um, that's not the word I'm exactly looking for, but it's what I'll take right now because it's all my brain can muster. Um, but it's also – and I also just think that he could be just in line for a regression uh, just in terms of the other offensive weapons that are on the field that he's sharing with. Granted, fantasy sports is the only place where running backs still hold a lot of high value, but I don't think you can just set the world on fire like you did at like the first six or so games last yeah. year. I I think um, I think expecting him to yeah step back from that is reasonable, but I, I think he's still going to be a, a an RB one. Um, and I think uh, Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you were talking about uh, was it Marcus Gilbert. The right yeah. tackle, the other guy who took off for that's him, yeah. Um, and he's a stud. That's totally true. Um, but I, I think he's still going to get the work uh, to stay in the RB one discussion, similar to what I was saying about Juju. Um, and the Steelers have, have kind of like this. This front office has kind of showed that they want to use one running back, and they're kind of down to use them up and then not re-sign them. Uh, he's got two very cheap. Uh, years left on his deal. I think they, I, th- I think that, that um, the other guy, I think Snell will get a little work and I think, um, help me out here, uh, Samuels will get a little bit of work, but I think he's still going to be their bell cow. I think he'll be a back end RB1. Um, and yeah, I, I, I wouldn't worry too much, I guess, but I, I, I will say, yeah, I, I don't think that he's going to be a top five, six uh, running back. Yeah, I, I think everybody's right here. And uh, the only problem I have with James Conner is right now he's the RB9, which sounds about right, but he's the RB9 at pick 13. So oh, no. you're taking you're taking James Conner instead of Odell Beckham, instead of Julio Jones, uh, instead of Antonio Brown. And uh, uh, Nick, I mean, I, I think you're spot on. I, I, top 12 season for James Conner on that Pittsburgh offense. I feel like that's absolutely in the cards, but I, there's, there's too many other folks just around there that I would rather have. Uh, so somebody else is going to have them in the RB1 can I, league. Can I ask, um, for like opportunity cost wise, um, would you not prefer to take James Connor, just given the, the, the difference in point scoring ability that, and, and, um, and unavailability of RB1s, would you not just take, him over any of those receivers because I think for me I, I might like um check myself and, and like really challenge myself to decide whether or not I'd want to take uh Beckham or, or Julio over him but I think that ultimately I'd take him over both of those guys well Odell's about to put forward a 2,000 yard 15 touchdown <laughs> season so I'm taking Odell okay. I love this discussion and, and guys listening if you like these tell us we'll we'll have them more in the off season uh I I love the idea of zero RB and I feel like everybody's forgotten about it 
because of the past two years and the performances that we've had out of running backs. So unless I get one of the top four picks where, yes, I'm going to take Zeke or Saquon or Kamara or McCaffrey, no problem. Don't care about the order either, really. Just tell me which one I get. That's fine. But yeah, dude, after that, I forgot that RB1 or uh, zero RB, RB was the podcast, uh, <laughs> is going to be the way to go. I've done a lot of best ball drafts where I just kept that in mind. And I'm ending up with absolutely sick teams, just banking on the value of, uh, you know, where was James Conner drafted last year? You know, like uh, the the Steelers fan in your league probably picked him in the 13th round. Uh, a lot of people were probably rushing out to spend their fab budget on him once they finally realized Antonio Brown wasn't going to play. My bad. Ranked him number one. That's the second time I've ranked somebody number one who hasn't <laughs> played in the NFL that year. Uh, so I, I'm really happy to wait if I can get one of those absolute lights out studs like like Julio. Uh, yeah. Even though like even though like you said, James Conner RB one top twelve RB yeah for sure. Nick, give us your uh, step back for this year. Uh, let me see what did I list? Oh, uh, so I'm gonna I know I'm gonna break some hearts here and I got to take off after this one and that's why everyone's gonna be so sad. But um, unfortunately, I think this is the year that Larry Fitzgerald finally falls out of uh, his magical grace. Um, Kingsbury, uh, if you can tell, I'm very high on this offense. Um, (laughs) Kingsbury's thing is to use uh, smaller slot receivers. Those are the guys who ball out in his system. Um, uh, Kiki QT is a a great example, but the line is long. Um, Christian Kirk is a natural slot receiver. He's 5'10", a little over 200 pounds. Um, I think he's going to take over as the primary slot receiver role. Like I said earlier, I think they're going to run four receiver sets. And I think Fitzgerald will probably start the season in the slot, but I do think JJ or Sega Whiteside is going to encroach in there. And, and Kingsbury likes the big guys outside. So I think they'll, they'll flank uh, each side of the field with Hakeem Butler and, and Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and, and I think his, his targets just aren't really going to uh, be there this year. And, and I, and I also think that, um, I would be very confident waiting and taking uh, Christian Kirk. We, we were talking about him earlier uh, as far as like gold, uh, Golden Tate's going around the same time. I think Christian Kirk's going to be a, a rock solid wide receiver too um, and would be really excited to to draft him into that role. Yeah, I'm. it pains you to say it and it pains me to hear it. But, uh, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be the demise of Larry Fitzgerald, but I certainly – think that we've seen it already right we've seen it the last few seasons that his kind of him being that mr reliable fantasy player where you get him and you know exactly what you're getting from him that's certainly taken a turn down in recent years and i can speak personally to that because i drafted him last year and explicitly that role and he let me down a little bit uh and so i wouldn't be surprised going into this year if he similarly kind of keeps taking a step back where he becomes more of that like super pivotal moment in the actual game. He makes a huge play because he's Larry fucking Fitzgerald and, you know, can catch anything that's thrown near him, but he's just not going to be able to put up consistent enough numbers to be a reliable fantasy player. Yeah. He's, he's going late and the Cardinals, I I like looking at what teams did in the draft because it's, it's one of the few times that teams can't lie to us. What they do in the draft tells us at least what they're thinking in the building for the next couple of years. And they drafted a uh, you know Christian Kirk last year and and two more wide receivers. Spent some some decent draft capital on two more wide receivers this year. Uh, y'all know Nick's analysis is always better than mine, so I'll just come out and say it. Uh, I don't want this to happen, so I'm gonna bet that it doesn't. Yeah, no one wants it to happen. Thanks, Clark. I'm gonna disagree. I say Larry <laughs> Fitzgerald is a wide receiver too. Draft him high. Just put him on your roster. <laughs> Uh, I know who's getting a birthday card this year. <laughs> to, to all my friends listening who partake in fantasy football, Larry Fitzgerald is a wide receiver too. I'm, Jordan's 100% serious. Sorry, I think I'm going in out there, guys. Oh, that might be him. Jordan broke his internet with his hot take. Yep. All right. <laughs> uh, I'll do my quick, my quick step back for this year. Step back this year is Eric Ebron. Uh, his 2018 fantasy value came purely on touchdowns. Not purely, I should say. Came predominantly via touchdowns. Uh, he had 14 total, 13 catches, one rush. 
Um, and I got this stat from Gridiron Experts, which I like a lot. Since Andrew Luck entered the league in 2012, Ebron was the first Colts receiver to catch double-digit touchdowns in a season. Um, so call me crazy. I'm not entirely sure that that is going to happen again. Uh, plus, Jack Doyle missed 10 games this last season, which will eat, eat into Ebron's targets. He's not going to be a top 10 fantasy uh, tight end this year due to targets and touchdowns. Plus, I got to save some touchdowns for my boy Dem Funches to get. Going to get all them touchdowns. Yep. Spot on. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I It's going to be one of those great picks that, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but everybody in my leagues uh, don't spend 30 hours a week doing analysis on fantasy football. Uh, like we do, uh, they're going to look at those points scored last year and, and Ebron's just going to be kind of that wasted pick in the middle yep. of the fifth or sixth round. And Especially at a position where that makes such a difference if you nail that pick. If you nail your tight end, that's a huge boost that you have your squad. And if you lose, if you that if that spot kills you, whoo, you toasted. Yep. Um, quickly, to wrap this up, I know we have a couple others in our back pockets of kind of bounce backs and step backs. Um, but let's instead of doing a whole list of that, or instead of instead of giving all of our info, madam, quickly, if you have them, just throw out the name uh, and and what you think they are. AJ Green's going at the end of the second, and he's going to be a top seven wide receiver, just like he always is in this new Bengals offense. Yeah, you know we love him. Uh, I think James White's taking a step back. Um, he just had crazy awesome production regardless of of uh, format last year and i think uh damian harris being there i mean it's a super crowded room um yeah i think yeah. james was taking a little step back you, you know how i always like to keep it scientific you always draft the third most expensive new england running back that's been the right pick for like five years running that's pretty funny um uh do anybody else have anything to add or i, I can throw one more on uh, there. matt ryan's not going to be the qb2 not a real stunner um, uh, I was listening to an interview with a guy, I think it was, uh, his name's Nelson Souza. He's like the greatest fantasy player, regardless of sport, um, cool. alive right now. He's got all these weird connections and he's been monitoring or his rookie going in his rookie year. He was like following Ronald Jones's off season behavior and knew this club owner where Jones would go smoke joints and eat a bunch of hamburgers all day. Sounds Swag. like a happy place. Yeah. It's a, it seems like a good night. Yeah, and so uh, regardless of the fact that he doesn't really have that dual threat or didn't at least in his rookie year have that dual threat skill set, from what I understand, he has kind of knocked off that behavior and he's looked really good in camp. Whoever the starting running back is in the um, uh, coach name, blanking on the coach name. Thank you. In the Arian system is a baller. Uh, With Ronald Jones likely being drafted very late, I say take a flyer on him and – the guy could turn out to be a baller. Um, my bounce, my bounce back. It's not even a bounce back. The guy who will leap into fantasy fame and contention, uh, Hall of Fame tight end Steven Anderson for the New England Patriots. Um. <laughs> Dude, that- Matt Lacoste is going to be a machine. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, no, no. I know Matt Lacoste looks good too. The only reason I mentioned that was just to get a rise out of Clark. You're hurting Clark. It's going to happen, too. Like, nine touchdowns. <laughs> uh, Jordan, do you have any leftover uh, st- bounce-backs or step-back guys? We're just throwing them out real quick. Uh, throwing them out real quick. Bounce-back. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I can think of off the top of my head. I can think of a couple of guys who might take steps forward rather than Sure. Somebody who's throw, been throw there before. Who you think is going to take a step forward? Uh, I'm ta- I'm keeping a pretty close eye on well, basically anybody on the Baltimore Ravens offense this year. But Mark Andrews for sure. He's in a pretty. I keep seeing numbers of him being in pretty elite categories for yeah. like yards per reception for a rookie tight end, that sort of thing, which is uh, always something that you like to see out of like uh, Nick said before or Clark said before. <laughs> about tight end being one of the hardest positions to learn coming into the league uh, as a rookie. So that's, that's good. And he's a pass catching tight end who will be in a pretty fast offense, I think. Yeah. And Jordan, you reminded us to make sure we said this is a Lamar Jackson believers podcast. So also a big step forward for 
someone who already did really well last year. In, in conclusion, we stand. <laughs> and with that, we will conclude. Uh, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or I believe Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, find us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at PM Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. Uh, we are back now regular. We'll be back next week. Uh, we took all of our you know digestive pills to make sure that we get back onto a regular cycle. Um, we'll be back next week talking all kinds of football stuff since we're in the lull of the offseason. Until then, peace!